Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real talk with real people, sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe. On the edge of every day. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. We are live in the hive. Thank you for joining me on this, the 40th episode of The Edge of Every Day here on talkradio.nyc. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc, or of course, you can visit my website, sandrabargeman.com. And please tune into any of my previous episodes with my inspiring guests. All of my loyal listeners know this show is about celebrating triumphs, pushing boundaries, and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we are resistant to change those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and in our understandings, both about ourselves and about the world around us, those places where we don't want to look. Listen, we live in turbulent times, and we are coming to understand that life simply isn't black or white. It must be an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it is time for me to introduce our guest this evening. Rebecca Louie is a beekeeper, master composter, and executive director of the Bee Conservancy, a nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting bees, safeguarding the environment, and securing food justice through community-based education, research, habitat creation, and advocacy. A lifelong storyteller, she has written for numerous news and lifestyle publications, including former features writer at the New York Daily News and arts editor at Vibe Magazine. And she has authored the book, Compost City, Practical Composting Know-How for Small Space Living. Compost City is a guide for the eco-curious on how to choose and care for a compost system that fits perfectly into any space, any schedule, and any lifestyle. As seen in New York Magazine, L.com, Organic Life, treehugger.com, and more, Compost City is packed with research, expert testimonies, step-by-step tutorials, and a healthy dose of humor to educate and convert the compost wary. A former brand strategist and creative director, 
Rebecca has worked with marketing, product, and technology teams to build global organizations. She splits her time between the Catskill Mountains and New York City with her dog, Max. Hello and welcome, Rebecca. I am so excited to be here. Thank you and happy 40th. <laughs> Thank you. I am so excited to have you here. Oh my goodness. And that very Max that you've spoken of is in the room too. Yes, he may join us at any moment. I'm hoping so. <laughs> I hope he weighs in on all of it. So as I like to do with my listeners, I like to tell how I know my guests and I love how you and I met um, Rebecca and I live in the same community in the Catskill Mountains, and we met through a mutual friend <laughs> who showed up for my birthday party, my big fat 6-0 on the wrong day with Rebecca. Yes, we were a week early, but we brought cheese and brownies. Indeed, you really <laughs> did. And, and she didn't know me well enough for special brownies, but, you know, we're getting there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it was fantastic. And um, both my husband and I felt such a uh, kinship with you. And But Rebecca didn't share with me at that time what she did and that she was the executive director of the Bee Conservancy. And when I heard that, I was like, we're on the podcast. Beats are my thing live in the hive. And so on that note, Rebecca, please indulge me because it's the 40th. I, I do want to quickly remind our listeners of why bees and Live in the Hive are so important to me. And of course, why obviously I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. So the solo show, The Edge of Every Day, upon which this podcast is based, was the first solo show that I did through Sacred Stages LLC, my company, and it was the merging of my ministry with my performance background and where the first time I was uh, speaking out with spiritual understandings, if you will, it was kind of my version of preaching, as I like to say. So, of course, I wove many different understandings, but one of them that is a part of my practice is Native American wisdom and the understanding that animals walk through the world with medicine or wisdom to share if we pay attention. And there were three animals, and for the sake of our conversation, the bee is was one of them. And, of course, it was for obviously communication and and we did a really funny thing with the waggle dance to get people to know each other but and for the sake of the podcast mm -hmm. conversations and collaboration and connection and common unity community so you know what i always say is whether you're connected to bees in a spiritual capacity in the way that i am and 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 i like to learn about the ancient traditions that have revered the bee, or if you come to, you know, a perspective of just appreciating it from a practical or metaphorical angle, or even through an environmental lens, the bees are just powerful. It's powerful, powerful work. And of course, we're going to get to your bee work and your gardening and your composting and all of that. But before we dive in, you, you in particular, but so many of my guests have wear so many different hats. 
They have so many different skills. They have had intriguing paths and career adventures and have come to a place where they're synthesizing all of those skills and all of those hats and all of those those all of that work and all of those identities at, which is a part of learning to understand our rough edges and understanding about pushing our boundaries and i put myself in that category and i was recently asked a really fascinating question and i'm going to pose it to you because i think you're going to have a fabulous answer and i will share mine my answer afterwards so what identity or identities do you, Rebecca, lead with? Hmm. Okay. I'm not completely sure I understand the question. I'm just going to go with what I'm worried about too, right? Um, I like, well, you know, you kind of said it in your introduction. I lead as a storyteller because yes. to me, I think stories are how we connect they're what make the abstract personal they're what make the scary maybe a little more i don't know sensitive or less scary mm -hmm. um and for me and probably over the course of this conversation for better and worse i'll probably talk about brands or stories because like everything to me is just like an amazing narrative so i think like first and foremost i process most things through the lens of narrative and story um you know, I think there's a world where like leader and collaborator like kind of intermingle, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone takes turns like the front at the back, letting other people shine, blah, 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 blah. Um, so maybe those that's where I'll start. I love that. And the synthesis of that and that you have that as a deck of cards at your at your disposal. So I, I, I had a, if I thought of you, it would would have been storytelling. And uh, I mean, you're just, you are so dynamic in your, your narrative understanding. So the ones that I said was, I, I almost said storytelling, but I said comedian. Hmm. I said comedian, because I think I lead with humor. And I often, when I don't know people, and, and I said shaman. Hmm. Interesting. Well, subversiveness to comedian too, you know, it's always the fool who can get away with a lot of like- Yeah, it can, it can bring a lot of truth. Big bingo. Mm -hmm. And that's the, you know, part of the wisdom that was woven into the solo show was that, yeah, exactly. Disarming humor, make them, make them think. So, um, so you were not always a green girl, were you, Rebecca? No, not at all. <laughs> Talk to us about that. Sure. Um, so I grew up in New York city. I'm a Queens girl, lifelong, still there. And, um, you know, we had a yard, but I used to always like hang out on the patio, very like concrete forward mentality. And <laughs> I did not for the life of me think about the environment or parks or trees, there's even places to recreate in. Wow, and your family never went there? No, I mean, my, you know, I have immigrant parents, so oh. um, they are, were physicians and they worked like a full-time job and had a private practice. You know, it's that 80s latchkey story on top of an immigrant story. It's like the, you know, the perfect Sunday right. um, youth shaping. And so, you know, we didn't really do a lot of the things that maybe more American um, families did to recreate. Like we did not really recreate that much. So I read a lot of books. Well, I don't even think any New Yorkers did really. 
I, and it's still, you know, with Tom, with, with the parks, they don't, they don't. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. continue. Well, so, you know, so blah, blah, blah. You basically have to fast forward into my like late twenties. Right. And at that point I'm like, I've been an entertainment reporter as an entertainment. Yeah. Reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Before you get into that, tell us oh. about that. Tell us about the red carpet a little bit. Oh, Indulge yeah. us about your life on the red carpet first. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, again, like this idea of storytelling, I've always been interested in like the why, and so, you know, I studied a lot of critical and cultural theory in college, and it was like, what kind of job is this going to be? Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to be a big for a living. But, but actually, you know, it, it worked out because I, I enjoyed writing um, my whole life. And mm. I was like, oh, let's get into the arts. Let's talk about why we're, you know, obsessed with this celebrity or why there's a weird trend in, you know, this type of, you know, eating or couture or high or low or whatever. Mm you know, why is someone at number one? Why did we freak out when this couple broke up? I mean, it's kind of like, we are obsessed whether or not we want to, admit, oh, you know, to, you know we're, we are indeed addicted to, uh, to our consumptive culture. Indeed. Yeah, so how could we, you know, I, I like sort of picking apart the why and the how and what was at stake in terms of gender or power or sexuality. I mean, but of course, you know, you kind of get one deep thought in the like, <laughs> so language of just writing for a tabloid or a magazine you have to know your audience and show up in a way that um is comfortable so anyway so that's what I did and then so I you know I did work at the daily news I worked for a bunch of uh, magazines and you know got the fly around the world and I was like a gossip columnist for a while which was like brutal literally red carpet so like night and the elbows in your face and everyone's yelling oh my lord waiting for people to show up to parties that they never come to and just standing in the dark. Like, you know, there was early cell phone days, so it's not like you had much to do on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. pre-addictive day. Yeah, it's actually, it's true. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, that was life for a while. And it's actually funny because I think that is related to like my, how my life shifted a lot because one, you know, first all the, the Us Weeklies and the kind of those um, celebrity magazine, there's like a boom of them, right? Like in the aughts. And so suddenly arts writing where there was room to be a little bit critical and interesting or exploratory of ideas turned into like, like who's, you know, like, like whose wardrobe malfunction, this, this, and that, you know? And it's like, you know, oh, the, the, the hottest nannies that guys broke up with. And, and suddenly it shifted and, and they, that was the competition. Um, so that was very heartbreaking. And so speaking of edges, yeah, um, super depressing and really kind of hard to suddenly be talking about like boobs and things instead of like <clears throat> why we're, you know, ashamed of or scared of breasts, you know, or like, I don't know, right. the angle shifted. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, things and then... Oh, then print died. And then print died. <laughs> and then, and then th we've got to go to a break. So then in your late 20s, you, you started. I, when we come back after our commercial break, I can't wait to, to hear how the transition into making a choice to going a little more green, to going in composting. When we come back on the edge of every day with Rebecca Louie. Stay tuned, everyone. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests 
on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with Rebecca Louie of the Bee Conservancy. So, Rebecca, so tell us, how did you make, how did you begin to make that transition from being a, a red carpet walker to more of a green living person? Uh, was it this big aha moment? Probably not. It was just a series of, you know, smaller insights and understandings and things being taken away from you. Uh, yeah, basically. So when I walked away from print and I was all like, uh, you know, I'm gonna have some sort of revolution, you know, you find you slowly have dwindling freelance funds and you're cooking a lot more. Oh. Um, and with the cooking, ta-da, I was like, this has got to be good for something. This like piles of veggie scraps and yada yada. So um I looked on the internet, which is a source of so much great information. Um, <laughs> and like it's like, I'm gonna start composting and I got worms and there's this whole I mean I'm sure we'll talk about worms but I was like great you feed them this amount and then basically I killed like a thousand worms very quickly in a very gnarly <laughs> smelly like devastating way um because you like just to add like the feeling of failure on top of you know right exactly you know, well that's one of my questions tell us about a big fat failure in all of this right so worm aside <laughs> like mass worm aside um so <laughs> like, like clearly there's a way to do it right Right. So because I had this free time, um, because I was sort of freelancing and figuring out how to just like what comes next, print's dead, I don't want to go to digital. Um, I took my master composter certification in New York City. Which is uh, uh, this is okay. I, this okay. Back up. We, I want to, how did you discover this? I mean, this is just, you know, I just took a master composting, okay. you know, because I was so, you know, you. That was one good thing that the internet did tell me that there was this class now and where did where is it through is it through new york and nyc yeah so the it was a department of sanitation program that right. at the time there's several host sites across new york city 
Mine was at the Queens Botanical Garden. I will say though that the master composter concept was not invented in New York. Uh, it actually is from out west, like, and you can read about it in my book because we talked to the founders. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like being a master gardener. Like, there's this kind of title everywhere. But I will say, New York's program is insanely robust. There's a whole curricula. It takes place over several months. Wow. Um, and like, and there's the whole community component or like a volunteer component, which actually was weirdly my whole life changed because I had to do a final project super fast like to graduate (laughs) and so one of the things that I did too it was or created was this idea of the compostess right I was like well you know who's like this was a brand idea right like like, oh totally the merging as we talked about the merging of your skills yeah I was like well you know I've done a lot of kind of thinking about lifestyle and I know people are interested like eco curious but you know up until now in my experience in New York learning how to compost was like it was more of like you had to go to like a place and there'd be all these bins everywhere and you know it it was a very you went to the expertise and it was like you know scientific or academic and yeah but yeah um, but then there are people who are like, you know, the, the personal trainers set, maybe, you know, who might want the expertise to come to them. So I, I created this final project, this idea of the compost desk. I was like, who needs a clown? Make Wharton bins with your kids' friends. Like, I, it just, what, what was cute and fun? Like, I'll consult your waste stream. Uh, and somehow this website, thank you, search engine optimization and other, you know, mm-hmm. technologies, uh, got a little bit of traction and uh, I got a lot of press. <laughs> I guess it's like one reporter like creating a story, you know, for other reporters. This is but so fantastic. It was super random, uh, like super random. The compostess.com, everyone. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More active on Instagram, though. I'm not really updating. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so then, like, you know, then once I started getting press, things started changing, and, and someone reached out to me and see if I was working on a book, and like, boom, literally, I mean, boom, along the way, a weird career at a virtual world for teenage girls, like, weird stuff happened in this period. And then I got the book and I was like, yay. I have right now, now I'm in more of a groove. Yeah. So, so that, okay. So, and I, I can so see, I, I was thinking of you getting this idea and thinking it's like if sex in the city and the composting experts had a baby, it would be this book, you know, this, this filled with wisdom, fill as it says, filled with, t- and this is where, where, where do I have, uh, let's get to, I have a couple of, of, testimonials about the book that I want to read about you people. Rebecca Louie's small and handy book debunks the myths about composting, including the most disabling myth that you can't do it well in a suburb or a city. Louie makes the chemistry of compost and the various methods, open air, vermiculture, trench composting, Bokashi, easy to understand. Um, this is my favorite one though. You've never seen a book on composting like this one. I rest assured. It's wonderful. No excuses, no putting it off compost city guides, even the most squeamish sophisticate into delightful partnership with Browns, greens, and worms. Love that. So that there's a perfect little seg into composting. Tell us about, first of all, what is compost and what's the difference between dirt and soil? Ah, it's like the difference between the people you like at a party and the people you don't. So basically, like, dirt is like, you know how Jay-Z is like, get it off your shoulder, like, 
it's that 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 is dead like it is kind of lifeless nothing right soil however is like an ecosystem it's yes. of living things that like work with each other and for each other um to thrive and so compost is a soil amendment it's like special sauce in the soil that does a whole bunch of things between like slow release nutrients to like helping it to hold water and like air and um, ultimately feeds plants and the microorganisms that are in it so those are the three compost dirt soil okay and and okay um so but there has to be in a certain sort of recipe a certain kind of recipe and is that contingent you know and i love uh, it's like a party what did i hear i heard something were you talking about it's like a party you're creating a party scene you're bringing in these elements and you're inviting the party to come in and there's a certain certain recipe so but it's the recipe is different for obviously for different ways of composting and different sizes so if uh, let's use me because i want to compost because i've talked about this with you yeah. that, that I, it's obnoxious that i don't do it and i it, either in the city or upstate so i want to start in both places how do i do that in a way that's not overwhelming in my small space and my bigger space upstate yeah well i mean i think start with you right meaning what's the bare minimum that you can do? Anyone could do. Right. And that could literally be something like, I had a cup of tea, I'm taking my tea bag and I'm burying it in the dirt and that's all I'm doing this week or this month. You know, one tea bag, which will disintegrate because the outside is- Sure. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I mean, be, decompose, I should say. As yeah. I did. Um, so some people might be like, oh, like one tea bag, that doesn't feel like whatever, it doesn't help. But if you do like magic people math and you're like, there's X many million people here. If we all did one tea bag a month in the soil, like that's pretty good. That's returning <laughs> some amount of like carbon and organic nutrients there, right? So I don't know. So start with what's realistic. Like what can you do? Um, what are you willing to do? And set yourself up to succeed. Because I think one problem is that on the flip side of maybe what you're describing, people get so amped. Like me with the, my first worm bin, they're like, I'm going to compost it all right have an empire and then like you set yourself up for disaster because getting back to that recipe there is some science right there's like decomposing yeah. stuff it's wet it kind of emits certain odors if combined a certain way or gets mucky and so you want to have control over that and understand how the greens which are the nitrogen rich right. stuff the browns which is the carbony brown dry stuff like forest floor leaves um or like paper is the equivalent but how mm -hmm. do they mix up and so you know when you say recipe like what works for you some people like to think of it as a cocktail which gives you a bit of freedom like you add a little bit more of this and more of that and that works for you and like meaning works for you your your space your time but also for the materials themselves um and yeah every system has its own kind of ratio that feeds the recipe and it's up to you to mix it up and make it work in your space and time and it's and what do you say to people who are okay we've got two minutes to break um what do you say to people who are that don't understand the the messiness and are afraid to get into this because of it's it's maybe a little more dirty than they're thinking or it's it, you know it's just gross what what how do you handle that and how do what do you say to them to inspire them to move past that yeah well i would just say that guess what 
it only gets gnarly, it only gets messy, it's only icky if you're not doing it right. So it's like if you're making lasagna and you're just like, I'm gonna throw this ground beef in my face and I'm fed, like that's not exactly how it works, you know? But if people um, take the little bit of education they need to get started and they follow yeah. some really simple rules, mm. it'll be magic, that's all. And it literally is that simple. Like I'm, I'm I, you know, it, it's like anything, if you do it right, you'll do it well. But what do you suggest as a container for the, for, for the first timer? What is, uh, cause I bought this little metal thing and it totally didn't work. Of course I didn't set it up properly, but, but yeah, what do you suggest as of the, the first step into it? I think if you have access to outdoor space, um, the first easiest thing to do is to dig a big hole, dump some banana peels in there, cover it up. Oh, okay. Away. Never again. You have fed the earth. Hmm. And all, the only tip I would say is that if you're doing that, you should always bury uh, food waste like about eight inches, eight inches or so of soil above it, just to keep deter critters. And, and right, and you you suggest just uh, plant food waste, of course, not not necessarily anything oily or chicken bony or anything like that. I mean, I will say there's a system for that called. Oh, there has to be, of course, but. But that's like a level two, you know. Yeah, like exactly. Not for the starter. Don't yeah. be burying your 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 half-eaten chicken carcass. The dead bodies. Right. <laughs> Jake sure. and I do not. Don't. Oh, okay. Well, we we've got to go to break. Of of course, as always the case, Rebecca. There's just only an hour and so many questions and I want to move on composting you have to get compost city and it goes into far greater detail obviously than we've touched upon and we'll get back to that at the end of the show and give you all of those connections but when we come back we're going to move on from composting and we're going to move into your wonderful work at the bee conservancy when we come back with Rebecca Louie on the edge of every day. Stay tuned. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. 
Every day, and we are back with Rebecca Louie. I, I, I neglected to let everyone know that we're taking questions with Rebecca. So toss your questions, anything you want to ask her, into the, um, the chat, and we will hopefully be able to take a few of those. But I also I want to say I lied. I'm not going to jump right into the Bee Conservancy because I realized I didn't ask you the one – I think that probably the, the, that addresses one of the biggest edges, the question. I, we – uh, frogged over it. The benefits of composting, you talk about the three big benefits and there's, they're so full of edges that I want to make sure that we touch on those, those three benefits. Sure. I mean, on the very like macro level, right. It's great for the environment. So, you know, like over a third of what goes to landfills today is compostable. Uh, and then the trucks that are driving all that around are consuming fossil fuels. It's enormous. And it's connection to food justice, which we'll get into. Yeah, and there's a car, like, you know, there's a, a soil crisis, actually. We're losing tons of the Earth's topsoil every single year. And that literally is what sustains us, because it's where everything grows up from that we live on. Um, so that's the macro. Uh, on a more immediate level, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but it's really good uh, for the soil in that it helps plants and the ecosystems there, right? By the slow-release nutrients, by creating pockets for water and air. Um, it, it really gives your plants a type of health that some of those more like Red Bull style plant fertilizers and quotes will not do, right? It's like those are really like a Red Bull on your plant. As yeah, to, yeah. You know, more powerful. But, you know, I will say that in, in recent years, like I've been most compelled by, especially actually obviously this pandemic and sort of the state of, of the country and the world has been in the last few years. Um, there's something really powerful for the individual in it. Like I've gotten, you know, I think of it as actually a practice now. And people yes. practice like a yoga practice, a meditation practice, a diet, the Peloton, like whatever is your mm -hmm. thing. Um, that's how I incorporate composting because I find it gets me out of my head. Uh, it's natural. It's higher than me, meaning like it has its own order and lo logic that has oh my goodness human like it is ancient right um and it's very intentional and it's a cycle talk about you know rejuvenation new life yes and rebirth. death feeding life and circling around it's it's spirit filled yes absolutely it's connects us filled no screens yeah truly no addiction to phones as we mentioned yeah yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I very much want to connect to that. You know, I joke a lot about wanting to garden and I, I've had a country home for 20 years and have I even had a pot of herbs? No, I'm getting there. I'm going to graduate. We're going to ask Anne for that. <laughs> She'll come like. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but but and and we mentioned the food justice, which is a great seg into the bee conservancy and 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 as a part of the mission. So how what how did you get connected to uh, the bee conservancy? How, what was that trajectory? Yeah. So I mean, you, you've mentioned upstate. Uh, our area is surrounded by twenty five thousand acres of state land. So I have this like little cabin 
Um, and I was like, okay, there's back then it was just over a decade ago. There was this, the colony collapse disorder headline was very big. Like, you know, third cluster of the world's bees were just disappearing. They were like, is it aliens? Yeah. Is it whatever? Um, I was like, we've got this land. I'm just going to give it a shot and try to take care of bees. Um, which is a whole other story that is not easy PS to become a honey beekeeper. It's actually a lot of education and, and work and sometimes heartache, but, um, getting back to, uh, free opportunities, at least for me in New York City, there was this amazing course um, that I took through a group that doesn't exist anymore, but it was several weeks. Um, and, you know, I will say too, in terms of the edge and the benefit of these practices, you find community. Indeed. Right? Community through composting, that's really common in cities and schools and community gardens, like people doing it together. Similar beekeeping. Um, and so I met a bunch of these urban beekeepers and um, the founder of the Bee Conservancy is named Guillermo Fernandez, and he built the organization. Originally, it was the Honey Bee Conservancy, and his yeah. point of view is, you know, he grew up an immigrant kid in, like, a not great urban area. It was a food desert, meaning there was not very little access to fresh food. Um, there were all these health issues in the, in the area, and he, as he became a beekeeper in his adulthood, he was like, you know, the, the health of these bees, which are which pollinate one in three bites of food that we eat. Um, Say that again, please. Listen, people. So bees, I have two good ones. Bees pollinate one in three bites of every food that we eat, plus all bee species, of which there are 20,000 on this earth, pollinate 80% of the world's flowering plants. So, you know, when we say save the bees, we're not just being cute. Like, they're considered a keystone species. Indeed. Um, and so, you know, Guillermo was like, this is a food justice issue. And so that was sort of the heart of the organization. And, and a couple of years ago, you know, so we became friends and then I was advisor for a couple of years. And then when I, oh. yeah, and then on, the, yeah I, on the brand and marketing side. Yes, I, I love that. And then uh, when I joined, uh, you know, the organization officially, uh, we transitioned to the Bee Conservancy because you know, honeybees are about like seven of that 20,000 species worldwide. And people don't necessarily realize that because they get a lot of a um, play. I mean, obviously we make honey, which people love and wax, but all these other native species. Um, right. That don't live as I've, with all of my research, don't they live in compost? I mean, they live everywhere. So it's so, yeah, of course, but yeah. Right. No, but you, but they, 70% of the world's bees live underground, which is bizarre. There's like a and like bee rave under the ground. <laughs> but, but also different than honeybees, they live solitary lives. Like there are a handful of other species. Bumblebees are a little bit social. So they'll be like, you know, maybe a couple hundred bumblebees um, in a colony. And then a honeybee colony will be like, you know, 50, 60,000 at its, at its biggest. But these other bees... They're just like cute little, I mean, not to totally anthropomorphize it, but I'm going to totally anthropomorphize it. But they're like little loners or like solitary introverts just hanging out, perpetuating species one-on-one. And so that's a very different concept, right? Yeah. Totally. So how long did you beekeep? Um, I beekept, uh, I would say actively for about four or five years. Um, and then most recently, maybe three years ago, upstate where I had my hives, the bear, the black bear dragged, you know, got oh. through the electric fence that I built and then managed to 
get through the ratchet straps that were all over the hives and drag the hive into the woods and eat it. And, you know, that's it, actually ecologically, I'm ra rather that than other things in that the, the bears had a limited food source that year. There wasn't a lot out there. I get it. There's a lot of protein and sugar in there for them. Um, but then I was just like, I can't. <laughs> so now I'm lucky because our organization has several sites around the city. And so I, I do get to put on my hood every now and then and light a smoker. And Go and be with them. Yeah, but we also and I saw that on BTV. Oh, yes, BTV. Indeed. So as when did you step in as the executive director? Um, well, I was hired as a managing director, and it, it took about two years for the tra and then it, and then that the transition happened uh, earlier this year. And you know, we're a really small organization. So, you know, I was actually the the organization's first full-time hire because Guillermo had been this visionary who had a full-time job and a big life. So he had put together this gorgeous foundation and this vision for the organization, um, sort of with like sticks and glue and volunteers and like sweat equity, you know? Oh. And so, um, you know, in the last few years, we've been kind of focused and growing sort of in like a startup mode, for lack of a better term, where we've really mm -hmm. been scaling the organization. Now we have a bunch of full-time members and like a lot of like kind of programmatically rich approaches. To oh, completely. Your website is fantastic. Thanks. And it's filled with fantastic resources like 10 ways to help the bees. Tell us a few of those. Okay. Well, they're all very easy. Anyone can do them. Um, chemical pesticides. Are oh, not my Lord. Great. So that's an easy one. Don't use them. <laughs> Don't use them. And Don't. we won't even get into the Bee and Bird Protection Act. Let's, we'll save um, that for another time. That's neonicotinoids. But also plant native species if you can. If you garden Find out what used to grow there before people were bringing in like palm trees and like interesting things from. Like, oh yes, of course, the, the not the invasive species, yeah, because, of course. But also because those native plant, those native flowers have co-evolved with all those native bee species over centuries. centuries. So that, like, literally, that is a food source that they depend upon. So as we start not only just taking away green spaces, but also planting green spaces that mm. food that specialist bees, which only eat one thing, um, can't access. We're basically starving them out of like their own regions. Um, I will say that there are bees that are generalists. I'm a generalist. I eat everything. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there are bees that do that as well. But um, really planting native species in your area can go such a long way. And lastly, I'll say one quick one which is don't mulch. Like if you can avoid that mulch, because as I mentioned, 70% of the bees are underground. That means they're building little tunnels and that's where they lay their eggs for next year. And when you mulch, it's basically putting a big, heavy carpet. Carpet on top, of course. And it's like, you are doomed. You can never come out. You can't get in. Um, so don't mulch. Like, and, and there are solutions like low grasses and other cover crops that suppress weeds. Like there are things you can do that are also very pretty, frankly. Um, yeah, that's another big one. And the contemplation of, as we talked about in the, the climate cabaret, the, the allowing portions of your yard. And I know that this is, um, potentially not a happening thing, of course, not necessarily in New York where you don't even have a yard, but, but in, I'm thinking more in suburbia where people like to just completely keep everything manicured and allowing a portion of it, if not all of it to turn into some sort of meadow and, uh, Yes, indeed. And planting those pollinator seeds. And you'll be proud of me. I, I did make a little bee 
uh, uh, water uh, feeding. Bee bath. Bee bath. Or a bee bee watering hole, I guess. A watering hole. That's exactly. And I put a big, huge uh, crystal in it that they could crawl up on when it was really hot a couple of months ago. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. Shallow dish, a little bit of water, some rocks for them to step on so they can. Yeah. Well, when we, we've got to take a break, but when we come back, I do want to talk about, you know, the big, the big edge of all of this is how, how we move forward with moving ourselves out of overwhelm and out of hopelessness and into action. And so when we come back with Rebecca Louie, we will get her opinion on that, what she does. And we will also find out what is her leading edge on the edge of every day with Rebecca Louie. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Chipping around, kick my brain to the ground. These are the days it never And we are back. So yes, this big that you and I were talking about in our our pre-chat, this big edge of, you know, how do we move people out of overwhelm into taking action and move people out of hopelessness into taking action? And really at the heart of it, in my opinion, way bigger than those two things is moving people out of their addiction to a consumptive consumer life. And um, so, and I know I'm guilty of it. So, so what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Maybe to start with the last thing you said, um, I don't, I don't approach things like through a lens of like, I personally, like, I don't think of, the guilt or the overwhelm, which I think is probably why I've like enjoyed this weird transition my life has taken. And in terms of consuming, I 
love consuming food, you know, clothes are fun, like all of the riches that this earth and each other, you know, we've given creativity has given us, but I think it's in the how it's always in how and what you consume. Right. So like, for example, like my entire outfit is thrifted today. Right. Mine too. Yes. But that's, you know, then you have this joy of finding things and giving them not only new life and then also imbibing them with your spirit, but also like taking the, the, it feels more ritualistic indeed. Yeah. And it's better for the environment. And it, it comes like to the food you eat, for example. And so food, obviously, between the composting and the bees, like it starts with the bees, it ends with the composting for me. It's very yeah. full circle. Mm. Like where are your, who are your growers? Where are you getting your food from? Um, so, so I think, you know, it's not anti-consume, but it's like how consume. Like I get obviously that there are patterns that, like I, I read a lot of web comics, like there's this app and there's serialized stories and I can't get enough and it's hours later and I pay for coins to like get the next episode. But, and cause it's my own release, but really that's probably about other stuff, right? Like, you know, it's what it's a self-soothing. Um, yeah. And I think once we start to identify the patterns that link consumptive behavior to self-soothing versus just consuming, cause hey, we're on this right. Let's live our life. That's beautiful. Yeah, but again, it's it's how do we consume? Yeah, and, and you know, and, and 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 why? And and when we go out and we purchase what we need to purchase, what what what's the whole story around that? Right. Exactly. And frankly, paying like where you put your money also is how in a lot of ways you vote. Some could argue our consumer power is more powerful. Oh, because we're helping to like support the building of like different types of you know systems around us completely so like you know the organic food thing like like obviously it's been around for decades and decades and then it started to creep in and it was weird and crunchy then it was inaccessible and expensive and now like target walmart like there's all this organic stuff everywhere which is a revolution through the dollar because it was economically viable to go yeah Although no, I'm not 100% sure it's always where they say it's organic, it's actually organic. But, you know, that's for another conversation. We'll go down that other, that rabbit hole another time. But um, yeah, and the overwhelm and, and, and certainly the, you know, I've had other people on that moving and the Climate Cabaret was about moving people out of overwhelm and into hopefulness and out of hopelessness and use the, the gift of storytelling and the emotional connection to move people out of the emotional connection to consumerism into the emotional connection of doing something in a, in a bigger way that, that is, you know, for the health of the planet, for the health of the bees, for the health of the soil, the ecosystems in which we are a huge, enormous part. And I think the interconnectedness is what I always come back to, that I'm always astounded that we have gotten so disconnected and, and, you know, and, and I, as a spiritual person and as a spiritual leader, I put, you know, faith traditions in that, you know, that, that somehow have, have, propagated the understand the understanding that we are somehow different from and above and better than the rest of all of the beings on the earth and that you know so mm. it's a constant it's a and there is no definitive answer right now this we're just musing and h- how do we make that happen you know what i like about that or what or, or maybe a different take on that is that what I find so joyful about 
watching a worm poop on my totally or like you know and i love the smell it has nothing to do with me again like it preceded me it's going to be there after this whole logic exactly watching aliens (laughs) and like do their thing and that's humbling because i don't I don't know. Like when right. you watch like t- thousands of bees making decisions together, you know, the hive. As mind. the hive mind. Yeah. Or like I squirted this wax out of my glands and now there's a perfect like hexagon. Like, what does that mean? Right. And so it, we have access to a higher order by just kind of surrendering to it. So if we're going to play with a bug for a while, that's pretty cool because that bug has this whole universe that, you know, has nothing to do with you and has nothing to do with drama at work and like who didn't swipe on you or like, it has nothing to do with that. But whatever people. Yes, totally. No. And now it's perfect. The, 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 the Zen of Rebecca Louie. Oh God. Perfect model. I know. I love it. That's your next book. That is your next book. And speaking of your leading edge, oh, after boy. you write the Zen of Rebecca Louie. So what is your leading edge? What, what edge? What's next for you? What's the next project for you? Is there something that you've been wanting to do that you've pushed, keep pushing back? Is there a project that, you know, what's next for you? Well, the immediate, well, oh, yeah, this is one of those therapy questions and now like I'm going to like weep. Uh, I can't next. help myself. You know that. Yeah. So, well, the, the short, the short immediate answer is I'm actually starting to focus on my personal health. Uh, so oh, I've been really? exercising more and eating just a little bit better um, mm. for a bunch of reasons. And I've been lazy about that, but lucky that I didn't have to be as rigorous. And, and now I'm starting to pay attention. So that's important because health is well. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And the bigger dream, but it's not a dream. It will be that the third act, I'm still just starting the second, I like to say. Um, but, you know, ultimately get, getting back to the storytelling, right? Like, um, mm. I'd love to, you know, write that novel or TV show or, or a weird webcomic or whatever. Um, that sort of takes the themes that I'm sort of most preoccupied by that are very, very human. Like, oh, we're lonely or we're sad or we feel disempowered or overwhelmed, right? Mm. And then kind of tell it through a lens of, you know, I'm kind of interested in uh, like speculative style fiction, like something futuristic or slightly left of, you know, regular. (laughs) That's it, slightly left of regular. I love this. But folks will have to wait around for a while. Oh, my Lord. Well, I can't wait. And by the way, I I ordered your book, Compost City. So, yeah, so I'm expecting a big fat autograph. Thank you very much. Great. Um, Okay. So, where do people find you? They can find you at the the compostus.com, mm-hmm. which I know you're, you're more on Instagram. It's also the com at the compostus. Yeah. You're on LinkedIn and you're the beeconservancy.org, which is an, um, an amazing resource. You can find compost city. Um, can you find that on your, on, um, compost everywhere, everywhere. everywhere books are sold. I know. I don't, I know. I don't want to say Amazon, but, but you, you can get, get it. it. Yes. Yeah. Call your local, call your local store and order it. Yes. Um, 
some resources. I came across some amazing resources. The Honey Trail, In Pursuit of Liquid Gold and Vanishing Bees. And I was just gifted a book that's kind of fun. Bee Time, Lessons from the Hive by Mark Winston. You know, for your ever, for everyone's ever ongoing bee immersion, and book club, and and book club, and and your and of course Rebecca's Compost City will be your first composting book club selection. Actually, it could also be about the bees because they're very connected. Mm. As we said, all things bees, all things composting, and all things food justice. So, Ms. Louie. It has been a pleasure to have you on my show. I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your insight and your humor and your beauty with us this evening. Sandra, thank you for having me and for always pushing everyone's edge and exploring the dance along it. Um, This has been a real treat and pleasure, so thank you. Thank you. And to all of you listening, Thanks for being with us. Run, don't walk, compost city. And remember, you are always at the edge of the miraculous. Till I see you next week, take good care. This is our last dance. This is our last dance. This is ourselves under pressure. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 